you know, it's our last full day, so, you know, feel the momentum, it's kind of gearing up inside, you know, the mind starts to think about, you know, what has to be done when you go away from here, and, and it's very normal, you know, that this is happening, so if you have, you know, a certain amount of maybe resistance coming up or, you know, wanting it to be different and thinking, oh, three days ago, you know, I, I felt so peaceful and all of that will now start to kick in and to just let it be there. It's just the way it is and there's still a full day you're spending here and just coming into the present moment by connecting with the body and gently you know, letting these stories all go. It's just the same practice you know, we have been doing. Nothing has really changed yet other than you know, those concepts in the mind and how powerful that is. Take, you know, being, you know, feeling maybe like a sense of, of gratitude and a sense of uh, the blessings, you know, we've been able to receive over those eight days. You know, such a possibility to come into the new year with Sangha and in such a wonderful setting, you know, in the midst of nature. It's it's a wonderful, rare opportunity and we have been part of it and we have made it possible for ourselves to come here and, you know, organize your life in this way that you can be here for eight days. That surely needed quite some preparation. And just rest into that. What has really gone very well already And you know, this gift of time you have given to yourself to connect more deeply with the body and the mind and to more deeply understand these processes. And I think two nights ago I've been speaking about the five khandhas and I just you know, would like to go over it once more as an as a aid for contemplation, you know. Is one way of contemplating, quote unquote, my life, my world, because you know all those uh, phenomena which we are experiencing, and then call it my life, my world. They can be, you know, laid out in terms of the five khandhas as one way of, uh, you know, finding an entry road into the tangle. And the five khandhas are, the first one is uh, the body or material form, which is not just like my own body, but you know, material form experienced as my body. And it's, it's compared with a, with a lump of foam in the scriptures, because it's constantly changing, ephemeral,
process, a lump of foam. And you know, looking at this lump of foam in terms of is it permanent or impermanent? I leave it up to you to decide. I guess it's impermanent. <laughs> and you know, that which is impermanent, can it be controlled? Can, can it be owned? Can I make it mine? No, I can't. But I can be aware of it. So that's, you know, how we work with the candles, but just contemplating are they permanent or impermanent? Is that which is impermanent, can that be called a self or can it not be? No, it can't be. So it's just this very simple contemplation. And then the next one is feelings. And this, the symbolism for that is like a bubble on water, you know, which is like popping up and then uh, ending and popping up again and ending. This is feeling. You know, and is feeling permanent or impermanent? It's impermanent. And can that which is impermanent be owned or can it be called a self? No, it cannot. And then the third one is uh, perception. And it's compared with a mirage. You know, coming, the mind kind of, you know, selects some, some features of an experience and puts them together and then calls it something. Like, I made this example, you know, going in the forest and looking on the forest floor, there's a stick and for a moment we think it's a snake. And then it is a stick again. This is the way another mind always selects particular features of an experience, you know, puts them together and calls it something. And then, you know, depending on our conditioning, we have a certain propensity for seeing certain features more often than others. For example, you know, if there's a lot of fear underneath, we might just, you know, have a certain tendency, or if there's a ill will, then we have another tendency of there's last, then we see other things, you know, depending on where we are looking from, that's what we are seeing. This is a very important point. And it's compared with a mirage. And of course, a mirage is impermanent. and it can't be called me or mine. And then the third one is uh, volition or mental formations. And that's compared with a, a banana tree or a plantain tree because those you know, tree trunks, they are empty inside. They don't have, it's just, they don't have really hard wood. There's lots of space in there. So they are empty of self, they are also impermanent, they can't be called me or mine.
And the third one is is consciousness compared with a magician's performance, you know, who is conjuring up certain images. And then if we look closer, we see, oh, it's, it's actually completely different than what meets the sense organs. And of course, it's also impermanent. Arising and ceasing, you know, sense organ and sense object, sense consciousness arising and then ceasing and arising again. So the, those five khandhas, they can be compared, you know, with a, a cake with five layers, constantly changing. And besides those, you know, five khandhas, those five aggregates, there's not a sixth anything which can be called a self, you know, owning those khandhas or as I said, you know, the five khandhas to be a self, the self possessing the five khandhas, the five khandhas to be inside the self or the self to be inside of the five khandhas. That's the 20 ways, you know, how we can misinterpret, misunderstand the situation trying to find a self somewhere in those five khandhas. <coughs> and, the, you know, the classic definition for suffering, for dukkha, for unsatisfactoriness, instability, the classic definition in terms of the first noble truth is, you know, clinging to the five khandhas as self. And that's, you know, what we, what the untrained mind is doing constantly. And by looking at the situation in this way, you know, we are loosening up that intensity of clinging. We, we, we step back a bit more, you know, and we see more the whole process, rather than being so close up to it, you know, that we can't see anything. So it's a, it's, this is a, a template for contemplation. Just you know, seeing the impermanence of each of those five khandhas. And then as a second step, contemplating you know, that which is impermanent cannot be owned, cannot be a self. And you know, if that is contemplated regularly, it helps to loosen this uh, identification with the five khandhas as being a self or having a self inside of them or having the self inside the five khandhas or all different ways, you know, how the mind tries to make sense in a more or less a desperate way, trying to make sense of this experience. And you know what slowly but surely dawns on us that it's, it's not you know, that the self is doing the clinging, but the clinging is producing this illusion of self, really. It's the, the experience of contraction and clinging and wanting. We kind of experience that as being self. 
but we only it only dawns on us if we really investigate, you know, because usually we think there's this little self somewhere sitting in the head or in the heart or somewhere sitting and is doing making us cling to things, you know. <laughs> and but then if you lay out the five khandas in front of you, where is that little? You know, there is there have been at the time of the Buddha there were like many different religions just to as is today, and some of them they had like they had an idea, you know, it was as big as a thumb, the self, or it had a certain color, a certain weight. There were lots of theories about that, you know. That was one side of the equation. Those who were convinced that there is an eternal self going from body to body. And then the other extreme was other schools of thought, they were saying there is no self whatsoever and you can just do what you like, you know, there's no ethical responsibility, just go for it. So there were, were those two extremes and then the Buddha came with his teaching, which, you know, is called the middle way between those two extremes, you know. <coughs> On the one hand, he says, you know, there is no eternal self, you know, with the, in the size of a thumb, which goes from life to life. But he says there is this what we call this not-self. So there is like uh, something, you know, which goes on. But it's not a thing, but it's, it's the, you know, the quality of the mind stream, which is continuing, you know, after death in, into, into the next uh, life. Rebirth, you know, it takes rebirth. This intensity of clinging, as Anna Nabodi was yesterday explaining, it's the intensity of clinging, you know, which seeks the next birth. Until that clinging is be completely, you know, kind of um, worn out, you know, through insight. Until there's no more clinging, then there's no more seeking of a next birth. And that's the middle way, you know, between saying there's nothing whatsoever and, or saying that there's something, a fixed entity, you know, which is going from one birth to the next. So that's it was the contribution of the Buddha and it's called the middle path, the middle way between the two extremes. And it's called not-self. He's not saying there is no self and he's not saying there is one fixed self. But there is you which is not really you. You know, a conventional you which ultimately is not you. So the middle way between existence and non-existence. And there's also an ethical responsibility, you know, which goes along with that. So I think it's it's uh, very good to contemplate, you know, it's not the self which is clinging, but it's the clinging which gives us this experience of that there is a self. And then if we start looking into it more deeply, for example, in, in the form of the five khandas, we, we see there is no self. We experience that 
on the surface, but if we probe into it, it turns out to be an illusion. And that's, you know, what the whole teaching is about, you know, to, that we kind of familiarize ourselves with the fact that it is not really a self. And investigating, you know, with the five khandhas as a template is a very good uh, way, you know, to, to do that. And the example of the chariot, which we, we have been speaking about, is very illustrative of that as well, you know, laying out all of the parts of the chariot in terms of the five khandhas, laying them all out. Where has the chariot gone? It hasn't gone anywhere, you know, because it's always only been a sum total of his parts. And still, you know, when the parts are, are coming together for a certain time, we can use the chariot and we can drive places with it, you know, we can enjoy it. We need to look after it, and it exists for some time, and then it falls into pieces. And then we can maybe put it together again, goes a little bit more, and then it falls to pieces again. So we have another 20 minutes or so to contemplate that. <laughs> 